0: It was a little busy week this week, but uh, I, there's a couple things that I, I forgot or had to take care of last minute as of this morning. So I'm so thankful for uh, faithful people, faithful men, uh, and women uh, for all that you do. Uh, this morning, uh, we're just going to kind of veer away from our uh, study that we've been doing on the church. And, and I really, really encourage you. <clears throat> you know, when we're, when we're walking through Scripture, there's, there's a temptation uh, to just be here and and not be engaged and and not to take what the message is and actually apply it in your life Uh, because i just want to say this this message this morning uh, came from something that's been heavy on my heart because of how the enemy has been attacking our church and i just want to remind you what we've been walking through on sunday mornings about opposition and adversity and 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 the enemy's attacks when the the people of God are going the way that God wants them to go, and uh, cling to the truths that we find in Scripture, and, and hold hold them and, and, and apply them in our life because it's it's so important. This morning, it's the the truth that I want to start with is this that everything that is important and worth it comes through adversity. And again, I, as we have honored our mothers this morning, I think every mother who has given birth, whether Anyway, I'm not going to go, if, anyway, if you've given birth, or you've raised a kid or kids, or you are raising a kid or kids, I think every single mother in here should be able to say amen to that. Everything that's worthwhile, everything that's important, comes through adversity. But it's also true that in many areas of our life, adversity produces some great things, or through adversity, we experience some, some great things that are worth it, and um, especially true in our spiritual walk. Um, I, sh- I shared a couple of things last week that I want to just kind of remind us of to, to put us uh, forward in this message this morning. Uh, and this is some of the things that I shared. If we want to allow the enemy uh, to deceive and distract us, which will ultimately lead to division and destruction, then we just continue to operate and try to handle attacks in our own strength, in our flesh. And when we do that, when we handle attacks and adversity and, and things that come our way in our own flesh, it will make a mess. That's exactly what happens every time. Every time. No matter how many times we hear this. Again, I, I shared last week. We still end up trying to handle the struggles, the adversity, the attacks, in our own flesh, we still do it time and time again. Something comes against us, and the first thing that we do is we try to mentally deal with it. When, when something comes against us, whatever it is, a health attack, uh, a, a, a relational attack, financial attack, one of the very first things that we try to do is we try to mentally wrap ourselves around it. Well, th- that's not what we should do as followers of Jesus Christ. The very first thing we should do It's to try to spiritually wrap ourselves around what we're going through. To try to have the the, the best spiritual approach to what we're dealing with. And then ask for God to give us wisdom. (laughs) Mentally, emotionally, whatever, physically, to deal with whatever we're dealing with. But we don't. And again, no matter how many times we hear it, no matter how many times we go through the the, the trials, the attack, we still end up trying to handle them and our own strength. Again, whatever it is, physically, mentally, emotionally, whatever it is, and we make a big mess of it sometimes. And the, the question I asked is this, though, if we continually, t- continually make messes or end up taking longer in the trial than necessary, when we handle it in our flesh, why do we keep doing it? Why? And as I shared last week, it's maybe because we're more carnal, more fleshly, more worldly than we're willing to admit. Maybe we'll just be honest and say, you know what? I'm not as close to the Lord as I should be. Maybe you show up every week. Maybe you read a Bible verse every, every day. But you know in your heart of hearts, you're not pressing into the Lord. You're not seeking his face. You're not, you're not diving in. And I'm not saying everybody, but I know there are some of us that do that. We, we, we go through the, 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 the Christian motions, but we're not drawing near to God. And so we make messes of so many things. And again, I want to remind us, as says, said last week, as the people of God, we have to remember we're on the same side. We're in this spiritual battle together. That's God's design, his church, for us to not walk through the, 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 the adversity the the trials, the struggles alone. As I said last week, we wrestle not with flesh and blood. Our battle's not with each other. It's not even with people that attack us that are outside of the family of God. James chapter four says, where do wars and fights come from among you? As the people of God, why why, why are there fightings among the people of God? Why is there problems that are are causing issues? Do Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that warn your members? Isn't it? Isn't it because your flesh wants what your flesh wants? You lust and you, or, or you covet you desire and you don't have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. And so you fight and you war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. And, and, and you ask in the times that you ask, you don't receive because you're asking amiss. You're asking with the wrong intent. You're asking for the wrong things, for the wrong reasons. So that you can spend that answer on your pleasures adulterers and adulteresses he says whoa spiritually do you not know that friendship of the world is enmity with god whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of god or do you think that the scripture says in vain the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously but he gives more grace praise god therefore he says god resists the proud but gives grace to the humble therefore Therefore, submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Draw near, press in to God, and He will draw near to you. The promise. So, if you're an adulterer and adulteress, if there's fighting and wars among you, if you're going about with 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 a prideful arrogance in your life, then cleanse your hands, you sinners. And purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. And, and, and your, your, your laughter in that state of, uh, of arrogance and, 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 and spiritual adultery and, and pride and flesh. Let that be turned to mourning and your joy to glooms so that you humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. And then he will lift you up. Don't speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother judges a brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law but if you're a judge of the law if you're the one that's the arbiter you're the one that is, is sitting there making the decision about other people then you're not a doer of the law but you're a judge but hold on a second there is only one judge there's only one lawgiver who is able to both save and destroy so who are you Christians to judge another just as the first church faced adversity, again, we in 2021, no question, faced adversity in all sorts of ways, in all sorts of, uh, of colors and, 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 and varieties of attacks and struggles. It's important for us to be wise and face it in faith together, united together in the Spirit of God. And maybe, maybe, we will see revival like the first century church saw revival through adversity. Maybe. Maybe. This theme of adversity, of adversity, as I said, is heavy on me. And on this Mother's Day, as I was praying, you know, what, did, what did God want us to, uh, to, to, to look at this morning? Uh, one mother, of course, rose to the surface in light of adversity. A, a, a woman, a mother whose life was filled with it. And so I want to pray this morning, and, and um, we're going to jump in and see what God has for us. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for all that you do. Lord, we do thank you that you are the only one true God. We praise you that you are our God, that you have such amazing grace, such amazing love for us, that you would die in our place for our sins, that you, you would take our penalty for our sins. God, we thank you and we praise you for that. We thank you that not only did you die on the cross and pay a price for our sins that you didn't deserve, but we're thankful and we praise you that you rose again three days after they put you in a grave. We thank, we're thankful that you're alive and that because you're alive, we can have eternal life, we can have hope beyond this life. We can know that you walked everything, every, through every trial, every temptation, every, every bit of adversity, and yet you were without sin. You left a perfect example for us to follow, but we're also thankful for people that have been people of faith throughout history. That We can look as examples as well, and this morning as we look to one, I pray that our hearts would be engaged with your, your word, that your spirit would have full reign in this place. And as it's already been prayed, if there's even if there's one person here today that doesn't know 100% that heaven's going to be their home for eternity, that they'll make sure that, that that is the case before they leave. They'll make sure that heaven's their eternal home before they leave. They wouldn't take a chance, they wouldn't walk out of here hoping that that's the case, but they would make sure 100%. Before they leave here, that heaven's gonna be their eternal home. And Lord, again, I pray you'd move in this place, move in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Her dream of the fairy tale espousal and the fairy tale marriage came to an abrupt end with a visit from a messenger of God. Why, why would God do that to her? Maybe from a little girl, she dreamed about her Prince Charming, her knight in shining armor. And, and the, the fairy tale espousal and the fairy tale wedding that they would have and, and, and just, just in perfect line with, with, with Jewish tradition and, and ceremony and, and, and all those things, all of that came to an abrupt end because of God. <gasps> Why would God do that? Why would God destroy this young woman's dream? Why was her life disrupted? Why was it that it was her dreams and her visions that were all changed. So many people would disbelieve what she would tell them. So many people would mislabel her something she was not. Her own husband would question and would even look to put her away in private. So convinced that it would require another messenger from God, to convince him of course we're talking about Mary the mother of Jesus many things that we can learn from her uh, in, in her times of adversity matter of fact her life of adversity lessons for all the mothers in here but lessons for every single one of us as well the first thing that I want to look at this morning about Mary again the, the earthly the fleshly mother uh, of the Messiah is that she sacrificed her flesh's desires. She was a woman, she was a mother who said, "You know what? I'm going to I have desires. I have again, dreams, I have I have plans, I have my will. I have what I want my life to be." But she sacrificed that. Luke chapter 1 says this in verse 26, in the 6th month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man who was named Joseph of the house of David, and, vir- and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, one favor- the, uh, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You found grace with God. You found grace in the sight of the Lord. We've all found grace in the sight of the Lord. But this was specific in her life, and he continues on, Behold, you're going to conceive in your womb and and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He'll be great, and he'll be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. He will be the everlasting king. Mary said to the angel, we got a problem, Gabe. <laughs> Sounds wonderful. <laughs> Only one little problem. <laughs> I'm a virgin. You're telling me these things. You're telling me that, that I'm going to ha- conceive of my womb and I'm going to have a, have a baby, but uh, eh, I don't I don't get what you, I don't, I don't pick up what you're throwing down. <laughs> the angel answered her and said, look, listen, listen. What's going to happen is the Holy Spirit is going to come down upon you in the power of the Most High will overshadow you, God's going to do this thing in you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. And behold, your relative, is Elizabeth, in her old age, has conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. And he reminds her, hey, remember, nothing is impossible with God. See, Mary's sitting there trying to scratch her head, figure out, Gabriel comes down. First of all, I, you know, years ago I preached about the characters of Christmas and we talked a little bit about this before. And, um, you know, can you, can you imagine, like sometimes whenever something hits you so strong, it's the only thing that you can focus on no matter if there's a whole lot of other words that follow after it, right? Somebody says, hey, I'm sorry, but it is cancer. And no matter what they say after that, all you're hearing is it's, it's cancer, right? There, there's other things in our life with something that's told to us that shocks our life and there can be a whole lot of words after that, but what was told to us impacts us. The angel continues to talk and tells her the story about Elizabeth who was barren. She's also a child, but Mary stayed engaged the whole time. She didn't just get hung up on the fact that she was a virgin and was gonna have a baby. Mary said this after that, "'Here I am. "'Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. "'Let it be to me according to your word.'" I'm gonna gonna lay my fleshly desire, because can you imagine all the thoughts that were going through this young woman's life? Can you imagine? I mean, even her friends, her relatives, everybody else. Elizabeth, everybody could probably get a hold of a little bit better, right? Right. She was an older lady, she was barren, she, you know, couldn't have a kid up to now, but all of a sudden, she had a kid. People would believe that a lot more. She had a husband, but Mary wasn't even married yet. She was betrothed, and now she's going to have to go around in her city and that whole nation and try to explain to people how she's never known a man, yet she's carrying a child. Never done before, nobody's ever known this before. That's why Gabriel reassured her, listen, nothing's impossible with God. And with all of that, that overwhelming information that was flooding her, emotionally, mentally, right? In every way, I'm sure she might have even been trembling. An angel visited her. You know, I've never had an angel show up. Hey, Kyle, guess what? You know, never had that before. Mary had an angel show up, not just any angel, but Gabriel. <laughs> he says, hey, good news. God has seen you and you found favor with God. Oh, great. You're going to have a baby. Whoa, wait a second. Hang on. I don't even, I'm a virgin. That's impossible. Hey, also, Elizabeth, she's pregnant. Remember, she was barren. She's pregnant right now, six months. Remember, Mary, nothing's impossible with God. She says, that's right. Here I am, God. I'm your servant, and whatever you want from me. I lay my flesh down, and I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do angel departed from her. Your life was just completely altered. Your life was completely just changed. In, 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 in one visit from one messenger from God, with one conversation, your life was completely altered. And her reply, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Colossians chapter 3 says this, if you, if, you, if then you were raised with Christ, then seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God set your mind on things above not on things of the earth don't 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 spend the days of your life if you've been risen with Christ and you're alive in Christ you're redeemed born again child of God don't spend the days of your life Toiling about in your mind about all the things of this earth, about all the things that, that you have to, to, to be concerned with and worry about. Yeah, you don't just dismiss them like the Thessalonians did when they thought that Jesus was coming back, that the day of the Lord had already come. And so many of them just stopped working and said, okay, we're waiting for the day of the Lord. Paul came along and said, no, stop that. Everybody needs to be working. You work until, you, I- until the Lord comes back or the Lord takes you home. But listen, get your focus right. Get your mind right. Start thinking with an eternal perspective. Start living like you're an eternal child of God. Start living like this world is truly not your home. Set your mind on things above. Stop living for the things of the world. And he explains why. Because when you got saved, you died. And now your life is hidden with Christ and God. Paul would tell the Corinthians, you're bought with a price. You are no longer your own. So glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are his. Paul goes on in the Colossians, he says, when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you'll appear with him in glory. Therefore, what you need to do is keep the members which are on the earth dead members. Yeah, the things that your flesh hungers and craves and and, and thrives on, the things that you want to do in the flesh that, 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 that you have to try to resist in the spirit. Things like fornication and uncleanness, passion and evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Why? Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience. Those people who are living in their sin still, who aren't saved. Those people who live for these, these things. These people who live with this stuff in their mind and, and it's what drives them. God's wrath is coming for that. And he reminds them, remember, you used to live like that. You used to live with these things as what drove your life. Your fornication, uncleanness, passion, and evil desire and covetousness. You wanted, you wanted stuff. You wanted things. You had idols in your life. You lived for Fame, whatever, success. You used to live like that once you walked and you lived in them. But now, you yourselves, you need to remember, don't just put off those things, but you also need to put off these things. Anger. Wrath. Malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. He continues, do not lie to one another, since you put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man which, who is renewed in the knowledge of, to the image of him who created him. But there's neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, nor free, but Christ is all in all. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, Put on kindness, put on humility and meekness and long suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, real love, because that's the bond of completion, of perfection. That's the glue that keeps the people of God together. And if you'll, if you'll put on love above all these things, and if you'll let the peace of God be the governor of your heart, if you'll let the peace of God sit as the, the, the thing that rules your daily life, and by the way, that's how you were called into one body, you also need to be thankful you'll do that and then if you'll also let the Word of Christ, what does it say, dwell in you richly. Not just a token verse or a few verses a day or a little devotion here. No, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. And then you need to continue as a church body and Christians to teach and admonish one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace In your hearts to the Lord, and whatever you do, as a child of God, one who is no longer your own, one who is bought with a price, one who is is the Lord Jesus Christ, whatever you do in everything, word and deed, you need to do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. What a powerful statement, uh, uh, section of Scripture that Paul wrote to the Colossians, but still so applicable today. But it, it truly is a real question in our life today. Why does the Lord allow pressure? Why, if Mary found favor in the sight of God, did God show up? Well, his, his, his message through his messenger show up one day and just completely alter one young lady's life. Why did the adversity come? Why did the pressure come? If God loved her and, had, and, and, and she found grace in his sight, Why did you do that? Why did the trials come in our life still? Why are we dealing with what we're dealing with right now? Why are you dealing with what you're dealing with right now? I don't have all the answers to what God does because he's God and he's sovereign. And he has a mind and a plan that he's only given us a little bit of fraction of what's going on about. But this is what he said about those trials that we can know, live with, and apply in our life, just like Mary did. James chapter one says this, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. No matter what you go through, no matter how difficult it comes, no matter where it comes from, when you go through a trial, count it joy. Well, it's not fun. We're having serious relationship problems. We're having serious health problems. Count it joy. Why? It's not good. It's it's this, it's that, it's not easy count it joy how you need to know that the testing of your faith produces patience and if you'll let patience have its complete work in you through the trying of your faith you'll be perfect and complete you'll be mature and complete lacking nothing spiritually and if you're going through that trial, as I said a while ago, and, and, and you don't know what to think, you trust God, you're trying to count it joy, but you don't know what to do, you don't know what to say, you don't know how to act, you don't know any of the things, if you lack wisdom, then ask God for it. Who gives to all liberally, without reproach. God didn't say, look, Kyle, you asked for wisdom yesterday, don't ask me again today. <laughs> you know what you should be doing, son, Stop asking me for wisdom in the same trial that you went through last year. God doesn't do that. If you're lacking wisdom, go to him as he is a loving father that keeps his promises. And he says, if you lack wisdom, ask him and he'll give it and he won't correct you for it. He'll give it to you as you need it. But when you go to ask him, you need to make sure that you're asking in faith, not doubting at all. Knowing that the Lord is your source of wisdom. And that you have to have his wisdom. Because when you do that, when you doubt, you're like a sea. A wave in the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. And if that's how you ask God for wisdom in the midst of a trial, don't think that you'll receive anything from God. Because your mind is split. You're double-minded. Unstable in all your ways. Through the pressure, the diversity in our lives, the test of our faith. Why is a strong faith in in Christ so important for daily life? Hebrews chapter 6 very clearly says it's impossible to please God without faith. So why why do I need to go through trials so that my faith is strong and so so that I'm I'm a strong, uh, believing, daily living by faith Christian? Why is that so important? Because without faith it's impossible to please God. It says people, we are to glorify him. We are to further his kingdom while we're on this earth through the sharing of the good news The gospel of Jesus Christ. First Peter chapter 2 says this, and I'm going to try to hurry and get done with this. It says, So put away all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for this pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. If you really have been saved, then you need a desire from God. Put away those things that are fleshly. Sacrifice the fleshly things. And as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, as the children of God, are like living stones. And you're being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Why? To offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture. It says, behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone. He's a cornerstone a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may, the reason why, so that you will proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners. You're not of this world. You're just passing through. You're sojourners and exiles. What you need to do is abstain from the passions of the lust which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles, those who are lost, honorable. Whether you do it in whether whether you're talking about your conduct in person or on social media or at your job or anywhere, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers. They can see your good deeds and then glorify God in the visitation. It's so important to see in Mary that she had sacrificed her flesh's desires, but number two, she had submitted her will to God's will, of course. The, 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 the statement is true. You read on some, some cans or uh, different things, it says that contents under pressure will explode. What happens when contents that are under pressure explode? Obviously, it reveals what's inside, sometimes flattering it everywhere. But you know how that happens? You know where the, 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 the container explodes first? Where does the container explode first? In the weak spots. The pressure in our lives sometimes reveal our weak spots. Again, Mary could have bemoaned her lot. She could have cried. She said, no, God, not this. I'll do something else, but not this. She could have fought against what was happening in her life, the the adversity that she had assumed and presumed that would come. And if she would have fought against that, she would have missed the greatest honor and the greatest blessing that her her life had ever known. In her case, it was carrying the God-man, giving birth to the Messiah. What an amazing blessing she would have missed if she would have told Gabriel, go back and tell God. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to deal with all that, all, all that talk behind my back. I don't want to deal with all that, that, the, the, that mud being thrown at me. I don't want to deal with all those sneers and, and snickers. I, I, I don't want to deal with that. And the truth is this. We, too, can fight against the things that come our way, the trials, the adversity. We can complain, and we can fight against it, and we can fight with others. And maybe we too could miss the greatest blessings and honor in our life. When we insist on our own will being done versus God's will being done, that's when we miss so much. I'm not going to read 1 Peter chapter 4, but I really encourage you to take time today. Read 1 Peter chapter 1, I mean chapter 4. It talks about the trials that we will face I don't think it's strange. But Luke chapter 1 says this, in those days Mary rose and went with haste to the hill country, the town of Judah. She entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth, her cousin. When they, Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the babe inside of Elizabeth leaped. Well, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And listen to these words. Why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And listen to these words. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. She believed what was spoken to her from the Lord. The third thing as I close this. She surrendered her vision for kingdom vision. It's, it's clear in, in her life that not only at the beginning of, uh, of the, the, the pregnancy that, that Mary said, you know what, I'm, I'll, I'll sacrifice my flesh, I'll submit my will. But as her life went on and Jesus grew and he became very clear the Messiah, very clearly King and Lord and, and, and all the things he was to, to people, it became obvious and Mary became one of his disciples, even as his mother, it became clear that she surrendered a vision maybe that she had as a young woman, maybe even as a young mother, to the kingdom vision that Jesus came and brought. You know, the truth is it's hard to let go of what you think your life should be, isn't it? No, I, I just don't want to be dealing with this. I wish we didn't have to deal with this. I wish this never came to us. I wish this never was a part of our family's history. I wish this was never a part of the, the, the issue that, that we're dealing with. It's hard to let go of what you think your life should be or how you think your life should go or should have gone. i put this in your notes. How limited is the vision of a temporal earthly brain compared to the wisdom of the eternal spiritual creator of all things? Just because we can't wrap our mind around something or the way that our life is going doesn't mean that God doesn't even have a plan through it. How foolish of us to try to hold on to human experience when there's a divine reality offered. I really wanted my life to be like this. I really imagined things to be like this. I really wish things would be like this. And then God comes along and says, look, I I wanna wanna change some things up. Or maybe even circumstances come along that God allows. and, And we go through that and say, you know what? Okay, this is what it is. Mary could have done all of that, but we see that she had surrendered to a a divine reality. She had surrendered her earthly vision to the kingdom vision. And I don't think it was by chance, because on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said to his followers, which would include Mary on that hillside, in chapter 6, verse 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of Kyle, not the kingdom of of whoever. Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness— And everything that you need in this world, God will take care of. You go back and read chapter 6, and that's essentially what he was saying. This is Jesus' charge to those on the hillside. Again, Mary sitting there, but later in the ministry. What happens? How do we know Mary was surrendered to a kingdom vision? That she had given up her life vision for the kingdom vision. Matthew chapter 12, six chapters later, Jesus is dealing with a bunch of Pharisee junk He's dealing with a bunch of righteous, self-righteous, religious junkies. (laughs) And he's arguing with them, debating with them, and giving them truth, and talking about the kingdom. And while he was still talking in the multitude, Matthew 12, 46, behold, his mother and his brothers, he had a few. They were seeking to speak with him. Hey, we need need to talk. Hey, I need to talk to my son, right? "Hey, uh, Hey, that's my brother. Uh... I need to talk to him. Jesus. So somebody come up to Jesus, maybe couldn't hear him. Said, hey, 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 over here, still here. Look, your, your mother and your, and your brothers, they're outside of the, the group here, and, and they need to speak to you. Jesus was, he was doing something that was of kingdom vision, reality. He was doing something that was of eternal significance. It didn't mean that they weren't important. But he was coming, bringing the kingdom of God, teaching the kingdom of God. That's what he said he was come to do. And in that moment, what does Jesus say? Okay, I'll be right with you guys. No, he doesn't say that. He was bringing kingdom vision. So he says, who's my mother and my brethren? Jesus wasn't losing his mind. He was making a point. He stretched out his hand towards all of his disciples. He says, here are my mother and my brothers. And he explains to them, whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my my mother. What was he saying? It's the family of God. It's the eternal kingdom of God. Not that earthly relationships aren't important, but Jesus came to bring an eternal vision, a kingdom vision that would supplant all, and supposedly even the Pharisees who knew the law, everybody's own vision of what their life was supposed to be in exchange for this kingdom vision. He was trying to explain to them, look, it's about me, Jesus, about Jesus. Again, this is as far as we know. We don't know that Mary had a fit. We don't see that she had a fit. It didn't spend her life into depression about the relationship that she didn't have with the son that she thought she should have. How could he not take time for her? By the way, she birthed him And again, that's not to take anything away from what we celebrate today. But to show what Jesus was teaching is the most important vision to have. Kingdom vision. Seek first the kingdom of God. How? She had surrendered her vision of the kingdom vision. And while she gave birth to the earthly Messiah, she knew that God's plan, his kingdom plan, his blood infusing his people through their faith and his grace, was eternal. Again, while our earthly families are a part of God's plan, he ordained families, you spending time with your kids, you spending time with your grandkids, you doing all those things are all important as long as they point to the kingdom of God first. That's what Jesus was teaching. What my kids do, what your kids do on this earth, there are important things that happen. Nothing more important than the eternal. When you bring your kids to church, when you teach your kids about Christ, when you model that in your home, when you do those, that's the greatest impact. Kingdom vision. It's the blood of Christ, the spirit of God, and the people of God that ties us together in eternal family. Again, we have to say goodbye to earthly relationships for a while. But what ties us together forever? Faith in Christ. Mary got that. It was seated in her heart because she knew the word of God even before she gave birth. And that's what she said as I close, I know I've said that three times, but Luke Luke one, Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. This was her song after she had an encounter with Elizabeth. Said, you know what? My soul exalts the Lord. Even though my life has been changed, even though my life has been rearranged, even though my vision, my dreams, all these things have changed, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he's looked on me, the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him. From one generation to the next, forever forever. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, to his offspring forever. Mary had an eternal vision. She had kingdom vision. She got it. And that's how she lived her life. And so when Jesus, when he was an adult in his ministry, and there she was by the side, and he says, who are my mother and my brothers? It's about the kingdom of God. Not that you guys are important. It's important that you're here. You're a part of it. But it's about the kingdom of God. I want to charge you to handle adversity with the same strength that Mary did. By sacrificing your fleshly desires. Let's do that together. Let's submit our will to the will of God. And every day of our life, let's make sure that we're surrendering our life vision for a kingdom vision, the kingdom of God. And if you're struggling with adversity right now, I challenge you to take this message and, and place it, put, put it in action. Start letting go of all those fleshly emotions, thoughts, desires, words, actions, everything. Lay them all down today. And as you're doing that, Truly yield your, your life, submit yourself to the will of God. So I want him to change my, my circumstances. Ask him to change your heart first and see if you don't have a different view on your circumstances. And so I just have a bad, atti- a- bad attitude in my trials. I have a bad attitude in-, in this. Ask God to change your heart and see how that affects your approach or your journey through the trial. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for the example, again, that you set in our life. Thank you for people you've put before us, even in our lives right now, that serve as a great testimony and example for us. Thank you for this morning, the lessons that we can learn from Mary. And I pray that we would apply it. And again, I pray for somebody here that maybe doesn't have that intimate, personal relationship with you. They've never surrendered their life and faith to Jesus Christ. What, what a great gift, what a great day to surrender and to experience life as we celebrate mothers. What a great day to, to be born again is a day that we celebrate mothers. So Lord, I pray that if there's somebody here that doesn't know that heaven's gonna be their eternal home, they'll come down during this invitation or they'll stop and, and talk to someone at the Welcome Center before they leave and say, please show me how that can happen. Lord, just move now as we respond. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'll stand.